0: Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. And before we dive into the message today, I just got to give a call out to all the fathers, to all the grandfathers, where would we be without you? Where would it be? I just want to thank you as fathers, grandfathers for your humor. I also want to thank you for your seriousness. I want to thank you for your sense of adventure. And I want to thank you for just being there. I want to thank you for your work and your support of the family. But also thank you just for your kicking back and just hanging out. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. In fact, for those who are here, those who are watching online, you're doing something, I think, that is paramount for every father, is to point your children, your grandchildren, to God the Father. In fact, Proverbs 27 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. And your children are blessed because you are pointing them to God the Father, who made them, who loves them, and I want to thank you, and let's thank our fathers and grandfathers. Can't we? It's awesome. Absolutely. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, he says, the same, that we are to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, not looking to our own interests, but rather to the interests of others. And I'll tell you what, today is Father's Day, but yesterday, Juneteenth, this is a day set aside to consider the interests of others our black brothers and sisters, and we join with them and we just honor you today as well because June 19 reminds us of the struggle for genuine freedom that's right here in America, and it also reminds us of something else we've talked about over and over again, that God made us all. We are created in his image, and he has made us all, black, brown, white. We are beautiful, every single one, and we cherish every single life. And so we want to thank you and honor you today. Absolutely. And so this weekend, we honor fathers, we honor our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ and those of every skin color. And we also together then, all of us here in this room, all of us online, we're going to engage in a teaching now that Jesus holds for us. And I'll just tell you right off the bat, some of us don't want to admit that we need this teaching. Some of us don't want to admit that this will apply to us because this is something we hold secret in our hearts. But it's something, I think, that holds value for every single one, no matter how young, how old you are. I say this because over this past year, actually a little bit more than this past year, there are many things that were obvious to everyone. I'll tell you what, it was hard to miss them. You know, things like masks and protests, vaccination cards, and of course, posts on Facebook of our friends actually getting the vaccination, right? And together, there's no doubt about it, we have seen all kinds of symptoms that are obvious to everyone due to a virus that was invisible to everyone. But lurking beneath the surface of this entire time was another virus that was at play, and has been at play in our lives. It's called the virus of worry. Worry. Worry means to be troubled with cares. And for some, all kinds of different cares in their life. In fact, a recent Gallup poll showed that over this past year, during this pandemic, 60% of U.S. adults dealt with a virus of worry every single day. Every single day. And the symptoms? Difficulty swallowing. Depression, headaches, inability to focus, panic attacks, relational tension, and a loss of sleep. These are just some. In fact, one person wrote me recently of their symptoms that differ from the ones I just mentioned, but it's something I think that relates to us all. They wrote me, they said, worry is insidious, robbing my mind share for better things. Causing me to forget that God is at work. And prompting me to try and steer outcomes in a way that is beyond what God calls me to. So this person, my friend, points to something that worry often causes us to seek more control. Which in turn causes us then to be controlled by a greater sense of worry in our lives. One person said it this way. Many of us crucify ourselves between two thieves. Regret for the past. And our worry about our future. Ouch. Bottom line, when we worry, we cannot rest. There's not a chance. We can't experience rest at all. And it's in light of this that Jesus said something. He said, come to me. An invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Something we so desperately need. We are to come to him in order to get this rest. So the question is, how do we come? Well, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, every rabbi back then had a yoke. It represented their teaching. So Jesus was basically saying, take my teaching upon you and learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. That's what he's talking about. And the thing is, though, that, well, many of us know what Christ has said. We know this up here, right? Right? we still succumb to the virus worry more than we care to admit. We just, we just do because things plague us. I mean, for example, two weekends ago when I spoke last, I told you about what happened just the day prior. On that Saturday, we had come home and we, we, we experienced a whole lot of water, way too much water in our basement. Our water heater had just burst, and there was water everywhere. I spent the whole afternoon and throughout the evening with a vacuum just sucking up all the water out of the carpeting. It was exhausting. And then I got up the next morning to teach about rest. Well, you know what? This morning, oddly enough, kind of the opposite problem, you know, and I got out of bed, went to the faucet to brush my teeth, you know, and I turned on the faucet and it's dark. So I'm like, what? What's going on? I put my hand underneath and there's like a trickle flowing out. I'm like, what is up? And so I went to the basement to inspect the plumbing because I know so much about plumbing, right? And, um, and so the pipes, they look the same they did yesterday. I wasn't sure what was going on, you know. But I started to worry. I thought, you know what, I got to take a shower before I come here to church because you got to put up with me, right? And so I went immediately to the shower and turned on the water, and you know what I got? Nothing. A whole lot of nothing. And I started to worry. Oh, there's something's wrong in our house. You know, I'm Googling, like, what's wrong with our house? That all this stuff happens. I'm immediately going into the state of worry, when, when Carol says, Oh, you know, Phil, like there's like a, a van outside on the street with a light blinking, and a water main had busted right across the street. And so it, it, I got to be honest, it kind of relieved me and it kind of helped me feel better that this was like a neighborhood problem, not just my problem, <laughs> right? We all are in this together, and that felt a lot better for me, to be honest with you. I just learned right before I got up here that the water just came on so, you know, two weekends ago, way too much water. Today, no water. And we tend to worry. We worry about all kinds of things. Some people worry about what might happen. What might happen, right? I've heard from people who've met with me through the years here. I mean, for example, uh, people would say, you know, since my company is struggling, I've heard this, I think I'm going to be the first employee cut. So they start worrying about when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen and what life is going to be like after it happens. And then it doesn't happen. Or I've had people say, you know what, I was struggling with fatigue. And so I looked it up on Google, like what would cause my fatigue. And they said one of the top reasons for fatigue is cancer. And so then I started worrying about what kind of cancer I had. People worry about what might happen. And some of you are smiling, but you know what I'm talking about. And then there's a second group. Some people who worry about what might not happen. You know, I'm worried that my back pain might not ever go away. Or I'm worried that due to the stock market or due to my lack of savings, I might not ever be able to retire. And then there's that third group that really is not exclusive to the first two I just mentioned. I'm sure it doesn't really apply to anyone in here. But people who worry about what other people think of them. Hmm. Right, you know, think about this. I've heard people talk to me. uh, They do. Like, you know, if I don't allow my kids to attend like every sports camp offered this summer, what would my kids think of me? What will other parents think of me? And they worry. People say, you know, Phil, I I know I'm supposed to share Jesus with others, but what, what will others think of me if I do that? And so They worry. See, to worry is to believe that I am the one who has to address my cares, which is the opposite of trusting in God who cares for me. I'm going to say that again. To worry is to believe that I am the one who has to address my cares, which is the opposite of trusting in God who cares for me. It's no wonder, then, that Jesus asked this critical question. Can any one of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life? And while we all know the answer is no, many of us keep worrying even though it doesn't make any sense. Because while worrying will not add a single hour to our lives, it will significantly destroy the hour we do have. And yet we keep on worrying. And this is yet another reason why Jesus added the yoke then of this instruction. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, what we worry about tomorrow, whatever that is, it may never come to pass in any measure. But what does come to pass tomorrow, whatever that is, God is going to give the strength and the grace needed to face that. If, if what? If we stop seeking after other things to worry about and instead seek first the kingdom of God, he says, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, in a nutshell, to seek first the kingdom of God, what does that mean? Well, it means God's rule and God's reign over all things, and that includes my life. So, God, I want to join you in what you have for me today. I want to you know, obey your will, I want to walk in your way. That's what I want to be about God's rule and God's reign. So given that God's will and kingdom will come, and, and given that he's going to provide us what's truly needed, then if we know this, why do we keep worrying? Well, the truth is, we worry about tomorrow often because we're more concerned with our own kingdom than his. We've made ourselves a nice little kingdom, and we don't want it ruined. And that's why our now world often takes precedence over God's world. And it's why what is fleeting often takes precedence over what is eternal That's why Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, I underlined in my own text here the word more than. Those two words together, it appears twice for a reason. Because Jesus is trying to draw a comparison to something here. And so we should ask more than what? Like greater than what? Well, that goes back to the context. And in the previous verse, Jesus is just telling his followers now that there's really no way to pursue God and wealth at the same time. You can't have two masters. God needs to be primary. And so Jesus is saying, so while food is important to eat and clothes are helpful to wear, who gave you life? God. Who provides you the food that you eat? Well, that too would be God. And so the life that God gave you is greater than food, and the body God gave you is more important than whatever you chose this morning to put on to cover it. Bottom line, God cares for those he cherishes. He just does. And to further the point, Christ went on to say, and in fact earlier, says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Yes. Yes, we are. And why do you worry about clothes, he asked. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And we know that the answer should be yes. But Jesus knows our hearts and we do too sometimes, right? And so he adds this clarifying comment, you of little faith, or you who trust too little. See, Jesus is calling us to something here. He's calling us to remember that God made it all, he owns it all, and he gave all of this to us. And so there's little point in asking what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. And yet many times we do. We do. I mean, in our foodie culture we live in today, we're often consumed with what we eat. And we pay way too much for it, like you know, a little piece of lettuce for like ten bucks, right? But it comes from somewhere in some other region of the world, and you got to pay all that. We we love our food; right? it's a foodie culture, and in our foodie culture, we're extremely focused on what we're going to drink, and where it comes from, and how healthy it is, and all this stuff, which is great. But we're consumed by these things and then in our image conscious world we're often controlled by what we wear because what we wear we think kind of defines us in the eyes of others and we fool ourselves sometimes if we think that Jesus doesn't know what's going on if he doesn't really understand what we're thinking and what this whole thing is about and that's why this next comparison should kind of hit to the core a bit and maybe even hurt a little bit it says for the pagans run after all these things Everyone lives like this. Why are you living like this? I've called you to live differently. You are my follower. You are my disciple. I love you. So stop running with others who stand apart from me and start walking and listening and learning from me. And here's something I want you to learn, by the way, Jesus said. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows what you need, so trust him. He's given you life. He's given you breath. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities. Trust him. You see, Jesus is talking to the core of our hearts while he's also talking to something else. Our tendency to kind of focus on building our own kingdoms. But it doesn't really make any sense. Because when you stop to think about it, we are subjects. We are not kings or queens. And yet we want to be. We want to be. We think God's throne looks pretty good. We tend to think we're going to look even better on it. We tend to think we're kings and queens. And so we build our kingdom. And whatever kingdom we can accumulate, we got to be honest, it's small, it's unstable, and it's temporary. And we know this. And that's why we worry so much. Because we know that at any moment, the little world we have created, our little kingdom could crumble, so we start worrying about the various ways that it might. The solution... By responding humbly to what Jesus says next, we'll find the solution, but seek first his kingdom. I don't know if you thought about this, but the central theme of Christ's message in the Gospels revolves around the kingdom of God. It's why this theme shows up more than 80 times in the New Testament. The kingdom of God is referred to as the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Christ, and merely as the kingdom. And each reference is talking basically about the same thing, but it gives us a different vantage point by which to see and understand it. Consider Psalm 103. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. And so his kingdom is up there, but rules over everything down here. What might that include? Luke 17 says, now when, they asked, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So it's here, or it should be. And since we should want... God's kingdom up there to invade our lives down here. Jesus taught us to pray something, right? He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom exists up there and exists down here. That's not the question. The question really is, is God's kingdom active and present in here? How would we know? Well, one way we would know is just really listening to the words that we pray. Think about the things that you pray. Do the words and your sentences and all the things you string together kind of convey this idea of thy will be done? Or is it really focused on my will be done? See, when we're really praying my will be done with all the words that we're saying, we're going to experience the physical and psychological implications of worry in our lives. We will. Things like headaches and inability to focus irritability, depression, sleep loss. And so in light of this, I think it's important to consider also the spiritual implications of worry in our lives. First, worry robs us of effectiveness in God's kingdom today. Think about this. Every morning you wake up is another day God has called you to use the gifts he's given you to use the the opportunities he's given you in your life, all the relationships in your life. He has called you to take everything he's given you and make an impact in the lives of others out there. That's his call on you every single morning. But it's not going to be a reality if I'm worried about what's going to impact my little kingdom today. I am not going to experience all that God has for me and all God actually has for others If I've made this little world about my little throne. And when we do that, we're not going to be able to prepare our minds for action and exercise self-control. You see, friends, when our minds are restless, we can find little rest as we experience even less effectiveness for God's kingdom. Secondly, worry places a trust in self over a trust in God. It says, here are the things I'm worried about. In fact, sometimes we're not even sure of all the things we worry about. There's probably more than we think. But we're worrying about all these things. And then we kind of strategize how we're going to respond to them. If this happens, I'll do this. If that happens, I'll do that. we got all this stuff going on, right? And we're we're basically saying, I got this. I can handle this. Even though we know that we can't. And it leaves us kind of troubled inside. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Trust in me, he's saying. Third, worry makes us unstable when we are called to remain rooted. And here's the thing. Many of us have done very well at displaying to others like we're rooted, like everything is good, everything is fine. We display this to others while inside, mentally, we are all over the place. We're back here worrying about how that's going to maybe impact this thing up here. We're over here worried about this and over there. I mean, we are so incredibly unstable up here, even though we try to put on a show. And God has called us to live differently. The Bible says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is where? In him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So rather than be unstable, let's remain rooted in our trust in him. Leads to a fourth implication. Worry conveys we are talking to ourselves rather than God. Studies show that prayer life is really kind of down for a lot of Christians because we're talking more to ourselves than we are to God about the things that we're concerned about. I mean, think about all your self-talk that you've engaged in this past week. Self-talk about your kids, about college, about your marriage, or about your job. Self-talk about your dreams or about your future. And what it does is it fills you with stress, worry. The Apostle Paul says... Do not be anxious about anything, in anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request, not to yourself, but to God. And what's the result? And the peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds so you won't keep worrying about these things in Christ Jesus. So now that we talked about some of the spiritual implications, let's talk about how we can rest rather than worry. How we can rest rather than worry. First, prioritize good thoughts over thoughts that are worrisome. Prioritize good thoughts over thoughts that are worrisome. Things that you know for sure. In fact, the Apostle Paul encourages us. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, that's all of us, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about all the good things that God has given you in your life. They are many. Don't compare with others because you want some on their list that they have. No, no. God has been good to you how? Think about all those ways. Think about how God is good to you right now. And think about the good things God wants to accomplish in and through your life in the future. When we think about all these good things, our family, our friends, you know, the fact that we're here together as a church family, finally, again, there's so many good things to focus on. When we think about those things, we have no time left to focus on all that other stuff, that worrisome stuff. Prioritize how God sees me over the opinion of others. Prioritize how God sees me over the opinion of others. I want to ask you something. Despite your past, despite how you compare yourself to others, all these things, do you believe not only that God made you, but that you are precious in his eyes? Do you believe that? That when he looks at you, he sees somebody who is beautiful. And special and unique and called and equipped. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, you're not gonna care what anyone else believes. Do you believe that? He loves you. One of my favorite passages, Isaiah 43 Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Third, prioritize authenticity over a life of secrecy. See, when we keep things private, oh, it controls us. What I hide controls me. What you hide controls you. What we keep secret, it kind of binds us up. So many people worry about things privately while, you know, kind of giving off this kind of vibe that everything's good, everything's fine. And sometimes we even applaud that kind of lifestyle. As it relates to fathers today and fatherhood, I came across this poem, and this is you know, a poem of esteeming uh, this person's father, but I thought it was interesting. Listen to the words. He never looks for praises. He's never one to boast. He just goes on quietly working for those he loves the most. His dreams are seldom spoken. His wants are very few. And most of the time his worries will go unspoken too. End of that catch a little bit is that a good thing that somebody's worries go unspoken that i handle this all by myself it'll rob you it'll rob you god has made us for a community friends he's made us for a community think about the people god's place in your life now, they're all kind of people, right? I mean, some of these people God has placed in your life to kind of try you and challenge you, right? Challenge your patience, help grow you. And then there's other people God has placed in your life. You're not supposed to look at that person when you're sitting next to them, by the way. Um, and then, you know what? There's other people that God has placed in your life that, that, I tell you what, they're godly people, right? They're leaders in your life. Think about why they are there. I just came back from Michigan, so I'm going to use some sailing terms right now, right? Some of these people in your life are like a sail. God has placed them in your life so that you can serve them and blow some winds of encouragement and help in their direction. That's why they're there. Are you the wind to them? Other people in your life, however, are like the wind. God has placed them in your life so that they can blow some help and encouragement and strength your way. But are you allowing them to be the wind? They can't help you. They can't encourage you. They cannot blow wind in your direction if they have no idea what's going on inside of you. He's placed us in community and family for a reason. We are here for each other. We are better together. That's what the Bible talks about. In fact, the brother of Christ says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So, who has God placed in your life that you could share with this week? Say, You know what? I need you to be the wind. Share with them. Stop keeping this stuff secret. Be authentic. And worry will become less and less a problem in your life. Friends, the first three ways I talked about to combat worry are more than possible. And when what do we do? We prioritize God's kingdom over my own. His will, his way, his kingdom, not my kingdom. And that means, by the way, that we are part then in engaging and advancing his kingdom. And so I'd say in light of that, if you are dealing with worry in your life, one way to advance the kingdom of God and really combat worry in your life is to serve somebody. Serve somebody. It's amazing what you really will learn about yourself when you serve somebody. And you'll be reminded of how blessed you are the good things that God has given you, and you'll be reminded of this over and over again as you pour into their life, as you are like the wind in their sail. Serve somebody. Prioritize God's kingdom over my own, because when we do so, what that does is we display our trust in God, and we minimize our focus on ourselves. Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, the things that you need, will be added to your life. So bottom line, friends, since worrying about tomorrow robs me of God's blessings today, I will seek his kingdom every day. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me? Let's say that together. Let's say that together as we stand. Are you ready? Here we go. Since worrying about tomorrow robs me of God's blessings today, I will seek his kingdom every day. Dear Father, we come to you. And Lord, we seek your kingdom. Your will, your way in our lives. Lord, forgive us for the times we've been consumed with us. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've tried to handle these things ourselves. Lord, we are thankful that you have called us, you have gifted us, you have given us life and breath, and we trust you. We trust you. And Lord, because you are so good, you did something else. You gave us each other, the people behind us, in front of us, to the left and to the right. You have given us this family that we can stand together as one, unified in you, by you, and for your call and for your purpose. So, Lord, help us individually, help us as a family to trust in you, to place our trust only in you. Because when we do, we'll not worry, we'll not be consumed by all of that stuff that robs us. We'll experience the sweetness of who you are, the beauty of your peace, the power of living free from all the stuff that wants to weigh us down. And we'll be able to advance your kingdom. We trust you, Lord. Help us to live like we trust you. You are beautiful. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to experience rest. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.